2: Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley. Give me animals! The zoo. Give me some sea life! <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums! South South Park. Give me a woo! Roller coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism and Marketing District Assessment Funds.
1: And welcome to Foodstuff. I'm Annie Reese.
0: And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we are visited by Anger Annie.
1: Yeah. Pre-Angry Annie. Yeah. Um, we're talking about tipping. Yeah. And here's a tip. Get a stress ball for this one because it is <laughs> rough. It is a rough one.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I knew that this one was going to make me a little bit angry, but it, it's it, it's way worse than I thought. So welcome. Welcome yeah, to the welcome. show. welcome.
1: <laughs> We're going to have a great time going through this journey together.
0: Yeah. So to start off,
1: tipping. What is it?
0: Well, it's uh, it's sometimes called gratuity.
1: Yes. Uh, it's money a customer voluntarily gives to a service worker on top of the base price. Depending on where you are, you tip everyone from your bartender to your hairstylist or in other places you don't tip at all. And since this is a food show, we're primarily going to focus on tipping in the food industry.
0: Yeah. I cannot help you with cabs. Yeah. I still don't understand that.
1: Or I heard you're supposed to tip your mechanic. Oh, no. Stuff you should know. Our brother podcast, I uh-huh. just, like, gestured. As um, though they were right there. there they are just standing there. And I there. looked. I, was, I, like, know, I was, Lauren like, oh. was like, oh, gosh. I would be surprised <laughs> if Josh Clark was just standing there. That's kind of his MO. Yeah. Um, but huh. they have a whole episode on tipping, and it, you can listen to that if you want a, like, more inclusive look at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing a deep dive into the restaurant industry section of it today.
1: Yes. And this can be host, servers, busboys, dishwashers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So the reason we tip is supposedly, supposedly, to reward good service. And, oh, this is so problematic for minorities and women. More yep. on that in a second. Yeah. hmm For the over 11 million Americans working in the restaurant industry, the minimum wage they can expect is $7.25 an hour. In 18 states, that number is $2.13 an hour. And it's been that way for 20 years. I In my brief stint in the restaurant industry, I made two twenty-five an hour. And a coffee at Starbucks is almost certainly more than that. This is called the federal tipped minimum wage.
0: Yes, t- tipped minimum wage as <laughs> opposed
1: to the regular minimum wage. Exactly. The tip is supposed to cover the rest. And in theory, if it doesn't, the employers cover the difference to make the $7.25. But a lot of them skirt around this. In fact, the U.S. Department of Labor reports an 84% violation rate, which is very high. Some states have higher-tipped minimum wages, and some guarantee the state's full
0: minimum wage. Seven states total Mm -hmm. of the 50, if you're still counting. Yeah. (laughs) Since tax-holding eats through the wages of restaurant servers, tips
1: frequently account for the entirety of their take-home pay. It's common for managers uh, to use tips to measure performance, and a good tip here in the U.S. is generally considered to be twenty percent. That's like
0: in restaurants if you're sitting down and eating a meal, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh man, don't even get me started on like picking it up and versus like delivery. Oh, a lot of confusion here,
0: <laughs> and
1: also a lot of controversy. Yep, a wave of restaurants have started getting rid of the tip altogether. About four years ago, one of the first people to do so, mm-hmm. former restaurant owner Jay Porter, published a pretty persuasive argument against tipping. And in it, he cited a plethora of problematic statistics. Firstly, the whole premise of tipping, improving service, seems weak at best.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the hypothetical idea is that you are rewarding good service with tips, so therefore... Servers servers will give you better service.
1: Exactly. But a 2003 study out of Cornell evaluated 14 other studies examining the correlation between tip amount and service ratings, and it was less than 2% in the restaurant industry in particular. It makes customers anxious. It makes servers anxious. Tip amount can be made just as easily by volume as opposed to like a high percentage, Mm -hmm. if not more easily. The bill size was the most important factor in tip percentage. This study also recommended <laughs> several bizarre behaviors to increase tips. Yeah, it, it, it found some some correlations across things. Yeah, uh huh. With stuff like uh, personalizing your appearance, especially for women with flowers in their hair. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, telling jokes, giving out candy,
0: like with the bill. Yeah. Sure. Uh
1: huh. Forecasting the weather, just even hinting that it's going to be sunny soon. was like correlated to an increase in tip. And for women, drawing smiley faces on the bill. Also saying the name of the customer. As the study author put it, what's in a name? That answer is bigger tips. Hmm. This study also found that upselling is only beneficial when things are slow. Upselling is in trying to get people to buy like dessert, more drinks, you know, bigger bill. Otherwise, quick turnover is better, and sometimes tips are pooled as
0: well. So, yeah. Yeah, by by pooled, you mean, yeah, uh, across across all the other servers that are working that day, or uh, that shift. Exactly. Um, In a related study, increases in service quality only increased tip amounts by 1.5%. That is quite...
1: A small number.
0: <laughs> not not a lot. No. Uh, they also found that over
1: 30% of Americans are unaware that tipping 15 to 20% on your restaurant tab is normal. Which brings us to another problem. Discrimination. Yay. Yeah. Uh, tipping makes it easy to pay someone less for the same amount of service they received from someone else. Um, this in turn opens employers up to a whole new world of lawsuits. Another study out of Cornell from 2011 rounded up a bunch of data on this and found that while more data is needed, it indeed seems to be a widespread problem across many industries that depend on gratuity.
0: There is a $4 per hour wage gap between white workers and workers of color in the restaurant industry at large due to the the types of jobs that each tend to get. Workers of color are more likely to be in lower level positions at lower cost restaurants and so racial discrimination and tipping just exacerbates this inequality mm-hmm.
1: and on the flip side of this tipping also encourages waiters to unconsciously discriminate or maybe consciously but largely unconsciously minorities and women often receive poor service because they are perceived as worse tippers which brings us to another issue sexual harassment Female restaurant workers are five times more likely to report cases of sexual harassment as compared to other industries, making it the number one industry for sexual harassment complaints. And who knows how many go unreported.
0: And it's bad for everyone. In a 2014 survey, 90 percent of restaurant workers, both male and female, said that they had experienced sexual behavior in the restaurant industry that's scary or unwanted.
1: Mm hmm. 70% of restaurant servers are female in the U.S., and this is compared to only 19% of women who are chefs, despite the fact that women still primarily do the cooking at home. And if you're wondering what this has to do with tipping, most people doing the tipping are men, and if you depend on that for a living, there's a power imbalance right out of the gate. Female servers are sometimes encouraged to wear more makeup or tighter-fitting clothes so they'll get a better tip. And if a customer does something inappropriate, you're probably going to laugh it off because you know that your tip depends on it. I call this de-escalating, and me of my friends have talked about it a lot. It's a very common problem. Yeah. Um, if you do complain, female servers say they frequently receive a response that they're being too emotional or too sensitive. And it's like you're, you have several different bosses a day, and you're having to adjust to the attitudes of each of them. And it's also problematic because it's a case of legal gender inequity. In the restaurant service industry, men hold more of the guaranteed minimum wage positions along with the higher paying ones as compared to women who predominantly are paid at the legal $2.13 an hour. This problem is even more pronounced with women of color. <laughs> I wrote in all caps. I'm getting so angry
0: talking about this. Oh, my There goodness. are multiple exclamation points involved in that. Yes. Uh, states that stick to the federal tipping minimum
1: have a much higher poverty rate. Poverty rate. For servers, the, than those that don't. And since most servers are women, this impacts women at far greater rates. Fine dining bartenders are 59% male, while bartenders at quick serve restaurants are 55% female.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Which would you guess makes 24% higher wages?
0: Ah.
1: Yeah. Men also hold about 79% of management positions in the restaurant industry. There are even not too uncommon instances where people walk out on and, a bill. Yeah. yeah. And the server is expected to pay the bill, which may mean they're paying to work. They don't have any money to take home from that. They're having to pay to make up. Oh, man. Okay. The National Restaurant Association frequently argues that with tips, servers earn up to and over $100,000 a year. Or this is like a possibility that's pretty achievable. In actuality, the average hourly wage of tipped workers with TIP is about 875 an hour.
0: And that's the average. Meaning that while, yes, some people are making more than that, it dips a whole bunch lower.
1: Mm-hmm. On top of these terrible things, tipping jobs don't attract or retain employees. And it comes with increased chance of being audited due to relatively high cases of tax evasion. The IRS, the Internal Revenue Service here in the U.S., estimates that over half of tip income is undeclared. One study found that 13.8% of tips were misappropriated by managers and other non-tipped employees and then not reported. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. And since tips can vary, it impedes the ability of those depending on them to plan financially, and for those living below the poverty line, and many at restaurant service jobs pay below the poverty line, Tips can mean the difference between paying the rent or not, between eating or not.
0: And and this affects a lot of people. The restaurant industry is one of the largest and fastest growing in the country, and it employs almost 10% of our workforce. Hmm. So that's where we are. Isn't that
1: great? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know. Yes. Nope. But what about how we got here? Is that any better?
0: Oh, no, it's not.
1: No. No. But we'll tell you all about it anyway after a quick
0: break.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
4: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of
1: Okay, tipping. Tip. The word itself is a bit of a mystery. Either it comes from 17th century thief code, meaning to give, or maybe an acronym to ensure promptness or promptitude.
0: It's probably not the acronym thing. Uh, That was likely a clever thing that someone came up with uh, retroactively. It's, It's said that an establishment frequented by English writer Samuel Johnson in the 18th century had a bowl out with the phrase to ensure promptitude printed on it. Though some sources have only been able to trace that story back to a book from the early 20th century, hmm. I'm guessing the "to insure promptitude" thing was meant to be a joke origin for a previously established word because because it's kind of a pun, you know. the The more grammatical word is "insure" with an "e," not "insure" oh. with an "i." Um, and the hypothetical thieves' can't use of "tip" to mean uh, "give a bit of money to" has plausible roots. Back to about 1600 from a now defunct and much older use of the word tip to mean to poke, uh, which became to pass some someone something. Huh. Um, anyway, Yes, etymology.
1: It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: my favorite part of this whole episode. <laughs> yeah,
1: probably. <laughs> Tipping uh, most likely got started in the Middle Ages from the practice of a master rewarding good work from a servant with a few coins. Guests at English mansions were expected to leave some money for the owner's servants if they excelled at their duties during the stay. This expected fee was called a veil. By the time 1760 came around, guests were expected to leave a veil for valets, or valets, uh, footmen, and gentlemen servants. And as you can imagine, that meant that visiting people (laughs) came with quite the price tag. Such a price tag that in 1764, an an attempt to get rid of the veil resulted in riots. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, we should pass that one over to the ridiculous history guys.
1: We should. Instead of getting abolished, though, tipping grew more and more common throughout Britain at businesses like pubs, restaurants, and hotels. Scottish philosopher Thomas Carlyle wrote about his experience with a waiter expecting gratuity at Gloucester's Bell Inn in 1800. The dirty scrub of a waiter grumbled about his allowance, which I reckoned liberal. I added sixpence to it, and he produced a bow, a bow, a bow, a bow, which was near rewarding with a kick. A be the race of flunkies. Oh. Yeah. Strong words. Huh. When Europeans started immigrating to the United States, they brought with them this idea of tipping, primarily in servers, porters, and valets, particularly on trains. Americans despised it. So much. So much. They thought it was un-American. Yeah. After the Civil War, rich Americans would go abroad to Europe. When they returned, they wanted to show off that they were cultured, what they saw these rich people do in Europe, and now they were doing it too, and also how much money they had by tipping. Henry James wrote about tipping in his 1897 novel, What Maisie Knew. When young American girl Maisie was visiting her English relative, she witnessed the tip, and it was in quotes in the novel, indicating how novel it was. Very new.
0: Uh, But, yeah, there was this huge backlash against it for a while.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It was described as offensively un-American, a cancer in the breast of democracy. And an anti-tipping movement launched during the 1890s labeling tipping as vilest of imported vices. Wow. Yeah. The main argument of this group was that the employer should be paying the wage of the employee, not the customer. Another crux of their opposition was that tipping undermined the American work ethic, Puritanism, and democratic society.
0: And now if you're looking for your bingo card, Benjamin Franklin said of tipping in France...
1: To overtip is to appear an ass. To undertip is to appear an even greater ass. So, hopefully, you're getting along on that card. <laughs> Despite this, it still spread and quickly, like, quote, evil insects and weeds, according to a New York Times editor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. By 1900, tipping was standard in the U.S., what was not standard was pretty much everything else about it. Americans were prone to overtip to the chagrin of Europeans. <laughs> Americans were called liberal but misguided by the Europeans. And they, um Europeans were seen as cheap by tip workers in the U.S.
0: Meanwhile, as tipping was uh, solidifying its foothold in the United States, industrialization was changing the balance of rural and urban workers. Poor white people from the country were looking for new opportunities at factories in cities. And at the same time,
1: newly freed slaves were also moving to cities to find work. The jobs open to them were largely unskilled ones in the restaurants and on trains. Almost half of the hospitality industry was made up of black laborers by the 1880s. Owners in these industries realized that they could get away with not paying these newly freed slaves, instead relying entirely on the tip for their wages. Racism heavily influenced the idea that tipping was a legitimate option for wages. And it went deep. Journalist- Arthur Gay wrote in 1891, a tip should only be given to someone who is presumed to be inferior to the donor, not only in worldly wealth, but in social position also. Another reporter, John Speed, wrote in 1902, I had never known any but black servants. Blacks take tips, of course. One expects that of them it is a token of their inferiority, but to give money to a white man was embarrassing to me, except he used worse language.
0: Than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In 1907, South Carolina's actively segregationist Senator Benjamin Tillman made headlines when he tipped a black porter. He had claimed he'd never tip a black person except to use even worse language than the other guy. Yeah. Yeah, my stomach hurts. Tipping still inspired extreme dislike by a fairly large amount of people in the U.S. And the anti-tipping movement was still going strong.
0: Uh, yeah, there was an anti-tipping society of America that formed up in the state of Georgia in 1904.
1: Yeah, there were uh, 100,000 pledges, and they <laughs> swore to do tipping for one year. And many famous folks were all about anti-tipping, including John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, William Howard Taft, and Leon Trotsky. Taft campaigned, campaigned on the issue, <laughs> labeling himself as the patron saint of the anti-tip crusade. Taft. Oh. I know. Trotsky thought it was capitalist practice that hurt the workers, and allegedly waiters spilled hot soup on him while he lived in the Bronx because he didn't tip. <laughs> um, Trotsky is also the name of my parents' dog, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what his thoughts are on tipping. Mm. Mark Twain was another famous anti-tipper. His refusal to tip a cab driver in 1901 inspired this quote from an editorial in the Chicago Times-Herald. Claim credit for its abolition. He will deserve greater gratitude from the public on that account than for anything that he has written or ever may write. Oh. Wow. Uh,
0: Ralph Waldo Emerson also weighed in on this. Mm -hmm.
1: He wrote... I sometimes come and give the dollar, yet it is a wicked dollar, which by and by I shall have the manhood to withhold. <laughs> In 1910, Emily Post, author of several influential etiquette books, prescribed tipping 10%, even though she described it as undoubtedly a bad system. I went on a very big rabbit hole reading her little etiquette book about this.
2: Oh, yeah. Ooh.
1: F. Scott Fitzgerald's 1920s work, This Side of Paradise, had this line. Alec didn't give the waiter a tip, so I guess the little bastard snitched. In 1916, William Scott published an anti-tipping brochure titled The Itching Palm. oh, Yeah, in which he called tipping and the aristocratic idea it exemplifies is what we left Europe to escape. He also argued that it was as un-American as slavery and democracy's mortal foe.
0: He went on to say, The custom announces to the world that we do not believe practically that all men are created equal. Unless a waiter can be a gentleman, democracy is a failure. If any form of service is menial, democracy is a failure. Those Americans who dislike self-respect in servants are undesirable citizens. They belong in an aristocracy.
1: However, he also blamed the tip workers of having an itching palm and suffering from a moral malady. So... You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A string of states tried to outlaw tipping, beginning with Washington in 1908. Georgia, Iowa, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi all passed anti-tipping laws, but by 1926, all had been repealed. Even when they were law, they were rarely enforced. In 1919, union member T.O. Smith wrote in a trade journal for hotel and restaurant employees, Waiter was not the author but the victim of the tipping system. In his view, all the arguments against tipping had been made with thought for the public, but not for the waiter, who must, quote, learn the art of smiling under even the most adverse circumstances. And funnily enough, or not really at all, this movement spread to Europe, this anti-tipping movement, where... Tipping had begun. Exactly. And Europe pretty much did away with it. It succeeded there. Uh, They um, largely have like a 15% service charge, but not really a tip. Um, restaurant and other hospitality owners fought tooth and nail to keep tipping, though, as it had become even more popular to make up profits lost to prohibition. They didn't have to pay their employees as much in wages while customers were tipping.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because of that, lobbyists
1: in the restaurant industry successfully lobbied to get Congress to exclude them from the minimum wage law included in the New Deal in 1938. Essentially, businesses not involved in interstate commerce, including chain restaurants somehow, were exempt from paying minimum wage. And then a series of laws followed. In 1942, the Supreme Court ruled that tips were the exclusive right of the employee and that they could not be forced to share their tips. Good times. Uh Uh-huh. A couple of decades later, in 1966, Congress passed something called tip credit, which allowed for sub-minimum wage, and tips would cover the rest.
0: However, the the one vague silver lining to this law was that it tied the tipped minimum wage to the regular minimum wage. Uh, The tipped minimum had to remain no less than half of the full minimum. Meanwhile, in Europe, Uh Britain decreased servers' reliance on tips with their Catering Wages Act in 1943, which established a service minimum wage. And in 1955, France started requiring that restaurants add a service charge to their bills, kind of codifying what Annie was talking about earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. And then if we jump way ahead to 1996, the C- the then CEO of Godfather's Pizza and head of the National Restaurant Association, Herman Cain, and yeah... That Herman Cain. Uh, he persuaded the Republican led Congress to create a two tiered wage system, tipped workers and non tipped workers. The minimum wage of tipped workers decided to be $2.13 an hour. And it's been that way for a lot of states ever since.
0: And at the time, that was half of the regular minimum wage, which was $4.25 an hour. Um, but 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 this this law in particular is why, although the regular minimum wage has slowly been creeping up, the tipped minimum has stayed the same for 23 years. Due to inflation alone, prices are 60 percent higher today than they were in 1996, meaning that to keep up with inflation, the tipped minimum today should be at least Mm $3.40. And this stagnation hit right as the United States economy was heading towards recession, hitting many consumers really hard. A poll of more than 2,600 American adults in the year 2014 found that about half of the respondents tipped less than they had five years prior, and the majority listed the reason for that being that their financial situation had changed. And today with the speed of internet incredulity we've all seen viral posts about moments when a denied tip sparked a larger debate and sometimes larger consequences there's mm-hmm. a my my personal favorite may or may not be that woman who was fired from Applebee's after posting an image of a receipt where someone had crossed through the 18 percent service charge that's given to parties of six or more oh. and written in I give God ten percent why do you get 18 <laughs> Wow which which I I don't find very Christian, personally. There are whole treatises <laughs> online of how everyone should just stop tipping, thus grinding the whole restaurant industry to a halt, sort of fight club style, except with fewer explosions, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, there have also been a few high-profile lawsuits over tipping practices within companies like Starbucks, which had to pay out $100 million to employees whose tips had been given to shift supervisors up to uh, 2008. Wow. And uh, in 2013 and 2014, a couple of related bills were introduced in the U.S. Senate that looked to gradually increase the minimum wage overall throughout the country and in parallel to increase the tipped minimum until it could be held steady at no less than 70% of the regular minimum. The bills never proceeded, though, perhaps largely due to the debate over raising the minimum wage at all. Yeah, And it's just so... Curious to me how culturally speaking we, we got here, uh, how it seems like a large part of the population flipped from being stridently anti tip to stridently anti removing tips. Um, in t- 2005, The New Yorker reported that 80% of diners polled preferred tipping to a set service charge. They and lots of other articles that I read argued that as consumers, we like or at the very least have grown accustomed to the power. The tipping gives us. Some compare it to our general anti-tax, pro-private charity vibe that we've got going on in the United States, and the moral and economic implications of that are a much larger debate, obviously. But it's it's clear that legally speaking, the current tipping system is broken.
1: Yeah, and um, I find it hard to believe. For me, tipping, both when I worked in the industry and like now, it, it's stressful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just stressed about it. Like, did I do the math correctly? Oh, (laughs) what are they going to read into this? And I don't know. I generally am just like 20 percent no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I've settled on is just a flat, flat 20. Yeah. Unless I'm like at a bar with my friends or something and like someone's done something really nice. or Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's the state of things and
0: how we got to this state of things. Uh Uh-huh. But, but don't, Worry? Oh, worry a little bit. I don't know. Uh, but there, 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 are, there are some things that might be done to help fix this. And we'll get to those right after we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs
1: with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies.
4: at
0: and we're back.
1: Thank you, sponsor.
0: Yes, thank you. So as Annie said at the top of the show, on a local level, some restaurants are doing away with tipping. They're switching instead to a flat service charge for all tables, usually between 15 and 18 percent, which customers can tip on top of for exceptional service if they would like. Lots more restaurants do this for parties above a certain size, usually six or more. And some of these establishments do have house rules about how those fees, um, how, how tips and other gratuities are split among servers and support staff that does help fix some of that um, inequality that we talked about earlier. It is easier to find and support these type of places if you live in a big city, but you can also ask around your community or the Internet about your own hometown, too. Mm-hmm. And... All right. So, you know, case studies here, like like, what about the states that have laws ensuring higher tipped wages? Or what about states that have uh, raised the, the, the minimum wage in general? The short answer is that it's complicated <laughs> and researchers are still compiling data from the states and mis- municipalities that are trying these things out. A couple preliminary kind of bits of data getting in here. According to the, albeit slightly biased, co-founder of Restaurant Opportunity Center's, United, that's ROC United, uh, who is also the director of the Food Labor Research Center at University of California, Berkeley, the seven states that pay their full minimum wage to tipped workers actually see customers tipping at higher rates than we see in states with lower paid tipped workers. Also, some research indicates that states with higher server wages also enjoy higher restaurant sales per capita. The idea here is that if workers make more money, there's less employee turnover and greater satisfaction and thus greater productivity. Plus, those people are better able to spend money at restaurants themselves. Back in 2016, a former president and CEO of McDonald's U.S. division, one Ed Renzi, gave an interview saying that if the minimum wage was $15 an hour, it would be cheaper to just replace most workers with robots. Hmm. And okay, that is a whole can of robotic worms. <laughs> and, and, the, and the veracity of his statement depends a lot on how technology advances in the immediate future. Also, experiments with dramatically raising the minimum wage like Seattle has been doing over the past three years are incredibly multifactored. And more research needs to be done into how changes like this should best be implemented and what support or education would help small local businesses get through those changes. Because right now they're kind of standing at like, is it good? Is it bad? No? Ah, hey. Oh. But hey, minimum wage. Let's talk about that for a second because we haven't had enough fun yet. Oh, The last time that the overall minimum wage was raised was 2009. And it also has not kept up with inflation. By the government's inflation calculator, the minimum wage should be at least $8.47 in today's money. And, okay, that's only an increase of $1.22 an hour. But that is a lot of money. Yeah. Assuming you work a full 40 hours a week, 50 weeks out of the year, that adds up to $2,440 before taxes. Similarly, if the tipped minimum had increased with inflation since 1996, tipped workers would be making at least a $1.27 more per hour, and thus $2,540 more per year.
1: Yeah. If you're as frustrated as we are about this and are looking for possible solutions, you can check out Restaurant Opportunity Centers United, or ROCUnited.org, which is the organization Lauren mentioned earlier. But okay,
0: let's talk about tipping around the world, shall we? because it's not like this everywhere. No. Nope. According to the Internet, North America is really the only place where restaurant tips of 15% or above are widely expected. It's appropriate to tip in Canada and Mexico, as you would in the United States. Egypt is another place that's big on tipping. 10% is expected. And much of South Asia, uh, Thailand, India, Malaysia, Vietnam, and Indonesia, operates similarly. On the other end of the spectrum, though, it is so uncommon that it can be considered rude to tip in Japan, Korea, Singapore, Taiwan, and Nepal. And most other places range somewhere in between. Uh, Most of the world adds a service charge, Like most of the world. Yeah. Like the more I looked into this, the more I was like, no, really? It's everyone but us? Everyone? (laughs) Okay, cool. Most of the world adds a service charge of around 10% to their bills. And tipping a little bit on top of that is polite, especially if your server went above and beyond. If no service charge is added, it's generally expected that you'll tip 10 to 15%. Of course, it is a wide world out there, and there are tons of guides available for specific countries and cities. Even in countries that don't have a tipping culture at large, cities that American tourists frequent may expect tips. Mm -hmm. If you're going someplace, consult a guidebook. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say most places I've traveled, it it
1: varies everywhere. And even in... I lived in Belgium for about eight
0: months, I Mm -hmm. guess,
1: if you can call that lived. I don't know. There's weird rules about that.
0: I I, I think that the quality is more than what... Right. Did did it count as living? Did it?
1: Oh, in my book. Well, heck yeah. I was living it up. Good. But uh, they had rules (laughs) where if you were um, a university student, you weren't expected to tip at all. Huh. Ever. Wow. Um, But if you had a job, then you were supposed to tip. So, like, little rules like that. And then in Australia, they definitely, in some places I was in, they knew that American tourists would tip, so they expected it from <laughs> you, but they didn't expect it from, from locals. anybody else, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I heard that. I heard that about Australia and New Zealand in particular. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, but my guidebook says, like, shh, It's outdated. That's what they told me. <laughs> <laughs> and then definitely in Japan, I had several people tell me it would be rude to tip. So, it. It just varies all over. One thing we didn't mention that is a concern, I guess, I heard when I was telling people I was doing this episode and how mad it was making me. My mom said, if we got rid of tipping, does that mean all of the menu items would go up the price of, like, the food items?
0: Uh, Yeah, this is kind of part of the the debate about what to do about it because... I think that that's certainly a concern for, for small business owners. They don't want to potentially drive away customers by raising prices. And furthermore, it would be unfair to people who are getting takeout at a place uh, instead of coming and sitting down. Right. So a good a good solution for that, I think, is, is that, that service charge appended to sit-down parties. Right. Although that makes people angry, too, sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's weird. And it's funny, too, that
1: I read somewhere, like, leaving a bad tip... People just appreciate the satisfaction they get from oh. <laughs> leaving a bad tip. Oh. If, the, if the service was bad, not just like, oh, I'm sure, sure there are sure. some vindictive people <laughs> out there.
0: Just like, I'm having a crappy Tuesday.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: bad tip for you.
1: Yeah. It, I probably a lot of times that happens. Um, so there's, yeah. it's kind of a much more interesting look in the human psyche It than is I expected it to be. It is.
0: I, I guess, I don't know. I, I never feel good after I, I've left a bad tip like once in the past, I don't know, six or seven years. And I still, it's one you of those, still think about it's it. one of those things that my brain brings up to me sometimes yeah. just to, just to just needle to, at me. Just yeah. go like, Oh, hey, oh, hey, you're a terrible person. Remember that? Time? Did you know
1: <laughs> you left a bad tip? And then if you eat at a place like Waffle House and 20% would be like 10 cents or something, oh, yeah. so I just leave like way more money than what <laughs> it was worth. Yeah. Or not even worth but what I paid But sure. the cost of the bill. Yeah. Um so there's a lot of
0: There's issues. a lot of strange social dynamics going on in there. It would make me really happy to just have a flat service fee that I could the add two. something on top of.
1: If I if I so chose, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So that's
0: So that's tipping.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um Oh man, my heart's beating so fast. Uh Let's move on.
0: Yeah, we have some listener mail. We do.
1: And before we read it, just a reminder, we are still looking for um, toast. If you have toast as in raising a glass and what do you say during it? Just to be clear,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. If you've got a favorite one or a local one that you think is fun, or something in your family, a few of you have written in with things. Uh, have we gotten some audio files?
1: We haven't gotten any audio yet. Oh,
0: okay, all right. If you want to record yourself, maybe we can. Maybe we can get a hold of that that hotline. Yes,
1: there number. is a phone number you can call. <laughs> we don't know what it is, but we could post it when we find it.
0: Yeah, and or we can magically edit it into this episode.
1: Oh uh, wow!
0: Yeah, if we if we figure it out before this publishes, it will go right here. But if not, <laughs> if not, then you just heard nothing.
1: Yeah. So thank thanks for that, and you're welcome for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the first uh, listener mail we're going to read is oh, from yeah. frequent uh, writer inner Jessica. Hi, Jessica. She wrote in about chocolate. I'm making fudge for Christmas today, so it was a great companion, Uh or chocolate episode she's talking about. Did you know it's actually super easy to temper chocolate using your microwave? Oh,
0: and I would forgotten this, but yes, tell us, Jessica.
1: That's how I make fudge. You take two bags of chocolate chips of your choice, toss them in a microwave-safe bowl, microwave 20 to 30 seconds at a time, know your microwave, Hmm. stirring each time until there's only a few large chips left. Add another tiny handful of chips and stir until melted. Then stir in one can of condensed milk and any nuts, et cetera, microwave 30 more seconds, and put in your mold and leave a few hours to set if you want fudge. (laughs) But I learned this technique from a teacher of mine who worked in a chocolatier. Also, red chocolate, announced in the baking world this year. Looks cool, but I don't think it's different enough to be worth the hype. And Veronica also wrote in about red chocolate. I had not heard of this, but um, it definitely looks cool. It's like pink. Meh. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Jessica. I've done that, too. I didn't know that was tempering, but I suppose it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Emily wrote, in your toasting episode, you talked about how bread used to be put in wine. I am here to tell you that this practice is still alive and well, sort of. In Greek Orthodox churches and possibly other forms of Orthodoxy, when one receives communion, the bread symbolizing the body of Christ is soaking in the wine symbolizing his blood. You wait in line, the priest gets a piece of wine-soaked bread on his tiny spoon, says a prayer, and you are fed the wine bread. You also get a piece of non-soaked bread afterwards, but the wine bread is way better. My favorite part of church as a child was getting the wine-soaked bread. I don't know what that says about me, but I do know it tastes really good. The wine used at Greek Orthodox churches is really sweet, so biting into the bread is like a delicious explosion of grape juice in your mouth. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it done that way. Me neither, but that's so interesting. It is.
1: Um... Emily also writes in a lot, so hello, Emily. <laughs> hey,
0: Emily. Hi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thank you. Thank you all so much for, for writing. If you would like to do that thing, you y- can.
1: Yes. Um, our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com.
0: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at foodstuffhsw. We're also on Instagram at foodstuff. Thank you so much to our amazing producer, Dylan Fagan, who puts up with us. And uh, <laughs> thanks to you all for tuning in and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel.
1: Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers and fruits can be enamel enemies.